us isn't he better to us than what we deserve <laughs> no one like our God I'm overwhelmed today by the love of the Lord for me that he would consider David said when I look into the heavens see the handiwork of God you step out on a clear night you look up and see the galaxies and the creation and the stars that God has flung out all over his universe David said I asked myself the question who am I that this big God would even take time to consider who I am made me lower than the angels but yet he left glory He left glory, became like I am so that I could become like he is. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a Savior. God bless you as you're seated. My wife is coming, and I want her to greet you, and we're going to sing. And We just want to be a blessing. We're not here in competition but we're here to complement everything that God and just to add to and build on what has already been a tremendous move of God that's happening. A year ago we came, I was a little incapacitated. I had just had knee surgery and uh, we were unable to stay for two services. I did good to get through one, but we're glad to be here and we are honored. We spoke with your pastor before service. He called me and we spoke and he let me know where he was at and what he was doing on installation service in Houston, Houston, Mississippi, not Texas. <laughs> but uh, we are so delighted and honored to be here. I want my wife to greet you before we sing. Praise the Lord. So good to be with you guys this morning. I love the spirit that I feel. Always love being with God's people who love to worship. There's nothing like the family of God, and I've so enjoyed being with you guys this morning. The song that we're going to sing simply speaks of the goodness of God in our lives. And God is so faithful. Everywhere you turn, you see his blessings, you see his hand. Even in situations that when we're in the middle of it, we don't know how they're going to work out. When they get to the end, we see that God was there all along. And you can see the goodness of God. Y'all worship with us. Of the goodness. 
through the fire darkest night you are close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend and I have lived in the goodness of God is running after it's running after me your goodness is running after it's running after me with my life laid down i surrender now lord i give you everything your goodness is running after it's running after me your goodness is running after it's running after me. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. Lord, I give you everything. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me.
appreciate him right now. You have anything good in your life? To that extent, you have God in your life. I've heard people say, I don't believe that God cares about me, that God loves me, that God is concerned about me. But I can guarantee you one thing, ladies and gentlemen, that if you have anything good in your life, it did not come from your enemy. I said it didn't come from your enemy. James said every good and perfect gift cometh from above. From the Father of lights in whom there is no variables, neither is there shadow of turning. Amen. You have your Bibles today and you want to turn or you want to follow with me. Gospel according to Luke chapter number 13 verse 10 beginning. Thank you brother Carrie Miller for your hospitality, your beautiful wife and the beautiful accommodations, a wonderful basket, gift basket that you left. It is, I'm not artistic like that and I mean that was just awesome. And uh, we appreciate that so much. More than anything else, we appreciate the wonderful presence of the Lord being with God's people today. Look forward to being in service with your pastor tonight. You've got a wonderful ministry team here. You've got a wonderful worship team. Wonderful congregation. Wonderful presence of the Lord. And we are so honored and delighted to be here. And he was teaching in the one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years, was bowed together, and could in no wise lift up herself. And when she saw Jesus, or Jesus saw her rather, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. He laid his hand on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. The ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. And it's just like that when God does something good for somebody, always got to be somebody to try to be a wet blanket. Because the Jews, Jesus had healed on the Sabbath and said unto the people, there are six days in which men ought to work. In them, therefore, come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. I'm glad that God doesn't operate according to my timetable or yours. The Lord then answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman... Being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years, be loose from this bond on the Sabbath day. And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Lord Jesus, we love you today. We're thankful for your entrance into this place, this sanctuary. Because, God, if you didn't show up, everything that we do here is futile and has no meaning. God, you said that if we would lift you up, that you would draw us into your presence. You would draw 
men to you. And God, as we have lifted you up now, we are, we are expecting the drawing presence of the Lord to draw us to a higher place, to draw us into fellowship with you and to open our hearts to hear the word that you have for us. I pray, God, that you would give me the tongue of the learned, that I would know how to speak a word this moment and this time to this congregation. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. And clap your hands to somebody and turn around to your neighbor and tell them, today you have a right to be loosed. Tell them you have a right to be loosed. Today you have a right to be loosed. God bless you as you're seated. And from time to time, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost will allow us for a moment to look into the personal tragedy, the triumph of one of the divine physician's patients. So here is a woman whose problem was all her own. And yet as we look at her story, we may find that it may very well relate to many that are here this morning. The thing that stands out to me more than anything else was that this woman was in a tremendous amount of pain. I've learned something over my years of ministry and just living life. That is, brothers and sisters, I have discovered that pain is not prejudiced. It visits all regardless of who they might be. It does not prejudice itself against rich or poor, against bond or free. It makes no differentiation between intelligent or ignorant. It matters not to pain. Pain is immune to the pleas of those that are both pitiful and those that are powerful. The problem and the cause of her pain was something evidently that had happened in her past. As I stand here before you today, I realize that everyone that sits in this room has a past. Maybe your past is full of wonderful memories and there never has been any heartache, never any trouble, never any problems. But I tend to believe that everybody that sits here under the sound of my voice have had their share of heartaches, disappointments, betrayals, and failures. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8 and verses 35 through 37 and asks an all-important question. He said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He asked, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. But nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded, I am totally convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, or any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the church said, Amen. 
and the church give the Lord a hand clap for that promise today. Paul asked the question, he said, who or what shall be able to separate us from the love of God? In his writing, he goes on to list many, many powerful things. He lists death, he lists light, he lists angels, he lists principalities and powers. He talks about the peril of nakedness and the sword and height and depth. And he said, there's no other creature that shall be able to separate us. I'm convinced they shall not be able to separate me or you from the love of God. But in perusing this list, I think, Paul, you must have left something out. Didn't you miss something in your writing? You mention all of these things. You mention them, and you mention also that the present cannot separate and the future cannot separate. But I notice that you say nothing about the past. Why is that, Paul? Because, ladies and gentlemen, the only thing that has the power to separate you from the love of God is your past. Because that is the place where condemnation comes from. Condemnation does not come in the present. Condemnation does not come in the future that has not even happened yet. Ladies and gentlemen, the only thing that can separate you from the love of God is condemnation, and that totally comes from what has happened in your past. If you're here today, I've come to tell you something. The enemy wants to keep you a prisoner. He wants to keep you bound. He wants to keep you in the, 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 the decisions and the actions and the things that have happened, the stories and the events that happened in your past. If he can pull you back into that, then he can have power over you and separate you from the love of God. But I've come to tell somebody here today that we're not living in the past. We're not living in yesterday, but we're living in the present right now. And I choose to believe what Paul says when he said, There is therefore now, at this very moment, Brother Miller, in the very moment that I stand in, in the very moment that I'm here in the presence of God right now, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that love Christ Jesus who walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. I'm telling you right now in this place we are in the presence of a God that loves you, a God that died for you, a God that sacrificed for you and you don't have to let condemnation ruin what God is trying to do in you right now. Some of us some of us have a hard time moving past what people have said and done and what we have said and done our own selves. And the enemy comes around to us reminding us on a daily basis of how unworthy we are. And he is right. There's nothing in John Clarity that deserves the goodness of God in his life. Paul said, I am the chiefest of sinners. I feel that way sometime that I am the chiefest. I, I get to the end of some days and I say, God, how in the world can you even still love me after I messed up so bad? Because one definition of sin is simply falling short. 
And I don't know of any day that John Clarity has ever lived up to the full stature and measure of what Jesus Christ was in this world. I fall short every day of who he is. But thank God when I laid down last night and I went to sleep, something miraculous happened in my life. When I woke up this morning, I may have taxed the mercy and the goodness of God to the very limit last night and yesterday. But when I got up this morning, ladies and gentlemen, there was a brand new fresh supply of the goodness and the mercy of God in my life. The enemy will come around and he'll try to tell you and he'll try to he'll try to put condemnation on you. Let me tell you something. You know what you need to do? The Bible tells us that that now is the acceptable time. Today Today is the day of salvation. Do you realize the only time you can get saved is today? The only time you can get healed is today. The only time you can get delivered is today. Amen. That's why the enemy wants to pull you back into the past. Or maybe try to get you to get wrapped up in maybe in the future. Because he understands that the only time that you can find salvation from the situation that you're in is today. Hallelujah. Hear me. Some of you need to tell the devil, listen, devil, listen, I've come to tell you something this morning. What you're trying to drag up from my past is no longer acceptable. I'm not here to accept the condemnation. It's not acceptable in the time that I'm in right now. Where I'm at right now, I choose to believe what God is doing for me right now. I choose to walk in liberty right now. I choose to choose to have deliverance right now. Today is the day of salvation. And what God is doing right now is the acceptable time in my life. I'm not going to accept anything else. Amen. Because of you and I, listen to me. He's done everything he can to provide everything that we need. But there's one door that he cannot open. And that's a door of reception that you and I have to open up to accept and receive what he has done for us. Amen. He can open every door, and he did it when he paid that price on Calvary. When he died and said, and when he bowed his head and said, it is finished, he was saying, the debt has been paid in full, and I release, uh, amen. I am, I am making sure that everybody that comes after this has a right to be set free, has a right to be delivered. I paid the price of sin once and for all. It's over with. Uh, there's nothing that can be added to it or taken away from it. Uh, you have a right in this sanctuary this morning to walk in liberty. You have a right to to walk, amen, in freedom. You have a right to walk in health and deliverance because Jesus Christ gave you that right when he shed his blood for you on Calvary's cross. Oh, the past is a powerful weapon. As you can see, the past had stripped this woman it affected her to the point that for 18 years, she could not stand up to her potential. She was not created to walk around bowed down to the earth. God did not create her 
amen, to constantly walk around in pain. People say, well, it was a physical condition. Jesus said it's not a physical condition. There's nothing wrong with the physical, but there's a spirit of infirmity that has attached itself to you. And that spirit of infirmity, amen, has caused you to be in the condition that you're in today. Hear me. Deliverance is more than just talking about your problem. Amen. This woman had a major problem, but it did not bother Jesus because he had the prescription for her problem. He had the answer for her need. Amen. And the Bible said he simply laid his hand on her and commanded her to be loosed. You can sit around and talk about your problem till you're blue in the face. You can talk about it and you can cry about it and have your own little pity party about it all you want. But ladies and gentlemen, deliverance is more involved than just discussing your past hurts. There's some things that need to be counseled possibly, but I'm telling you, there are more things in your life that simply need to be commanded out of your life by the power of the Holy Ghost. Jesus did not counsel what needed to be commanded. I don't find Jesus wasting a lot of time counseling people out of their problems, but there was something in him. There was an anointing, and there was a power in him that when he spoke to demons, uh, demons had to flee. Sickness had to be healed. Blindness had to leave. Uh, Deaf ears had to be unstopped. When he commanded something to become right, it became right. You You can't rehabilitate sin. I'm sorry, you cannot rehabilitate sin. You can't counsel condemnation right. You can't do it. Amen. It takes the power of the Holy Ghost. It takes the power of Almighty God. Amen. To break the hold that sin and affliction has on you. Because there's nothing that can break the yoke except the anointing. That's the only thing that can break the yoke off of your life. It's the power of God. I'm not here to condemn or to stand against or speak against uh, medical professionals. And, <clears throat> but I'm telling you, hear me. This, this, this idea of mental illness in our movement, I'm telling you, I'm sure there are things that are happening and there are things, but there's a, maybe, maybe there's a need for it. But I'm going to tell you what's needed more than anything else for people to get to a place where they can have a move of God in their life, where the Holy Ghost can really do a work of redemption and a work of restoration. I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit of God moving in this place in five minutes can do more than a counselor can do in five years. If you let the Holy Ghost take control of your life, I think sometime that we waste too much time, Brother Miller, trying to counsel people that don't want to get right. What do you mean by that, Brother Clary? I mean they have lived with their problem for so long that they wouldn't know how to live without it. Huh. You know, I remember somebody telling a story about a man that came get prayer at the altar in a healing service. They was going to pray for him that God would heal his back. He said, don't pray God heal my back. He said, if God heals my back, I'll lose my disability. The 
for some people. Listen, I had an aunt. She's a precious lady of God, precious woman of God, loves the Lord. But my uncle had a devastating stroke in his middle to late 40s. And for some 35 years, my aunt took care of every need that he had. She went from being a wife to being a mother. He actually became like her baby, her child. She took care of his needs physically and food, feeding him and bathing him and clothing. He could hardly do anything by himself. Her whole life was wrapped up in that one thing. She did nothing without considering what she had to do for him first. When he passed away one December, it was like her whole world fell apart. You would have thought that there would have been some freedom. You would have thought that there would have been some relief that that burden had been removed from her and now she could go forward in her life. But her life had become so entwined and intrinsic in everything that there was to do for them that when that was taken away from her, she had nothing left. It took a strong intervention from her family to get her out of her house and to get her back into society and doing things because it had become so much a part of her. And I wonder sometimes if there's things in our lives that we don't hold on to them, brothers and sisters, because we have gotten so used to them that if it was taken away from us, we don't know how we would make it. We don't know how we would live. But I've come to tell you here, amen, it's not the will of God for you to go through this world and live this life with a burden upon you that you're not supposed to be bearing. He paid the price on Calvary for you to be set free, amen, and to be a liberty. Amen. This woman was suffering because something or someone had attacked her 18-year-old child. Even though 18 years had went by, the trauma was just as fresh in her mind as it was the day that it happened. So this morning, maybe you're here. Just maybe there's somebody here that's suffering similar aftershocks from some, a past attack upon you on your body, your spirit. You're trying your best to get past your past, but it always is present. It's as fresh today as when it happened to you back then. Somebody took advantage of you. Somebody attacked you. Somebody assaulted you. Maybe you're a woman or a young lady that has been physically or sexually abused. Maybe you're a man who is struggling with failure in your business or marriage. Maybe you have a spouse that has been unfaithful to you. Maybe you're a person that as a child you felt neglected and unwanted and maybe you are the product of an abusive alcoholic parent or a broken home. Just maybe today you're a broken, broken bruised reed. You're wondering, is there any help for me? But I'm here to tell you, Jesus, through the prophet Isaiah, said a bruised reed, I won't break, and a smoking flax, I won't quench it. You may be struggling. You may be crushed and doing your best trying to survive, and at once you stood tall and strong, and you were vibrant, but now you feel like you're bent and you're broken, and 
who once burned brightly with a joy and a zeal for life and a desire and a passion for living, but now there's just barely a smoking ember that's left. You're thinking to yourself, is it enough? I've come to tell you today it's enough. That today in this house there is hope for you. That today in this house there is a word that the Lord has for you. The Spirit of the Lord is here. Just like on that day when he stood in that congregation and he declared the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, a recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised. I've come to tell you, woman, you, sir, ma'am, lady, gentleman, woman, ma'am, boy, girl, whoever you are, you have a right to be loosed and delivered today. Today a release can come into your life. Today, you have a right to be fulfilled. You have a right to reach a potential that God created for you to reach. It's not the will of God for you to be stunted and held back and bound by things that have happened in your past, but it's the will of God. He created you. He put giftings and He put callings and He put talents in you. He put a purpose in you. And I'm here to tell you the pain that you're going through cannot cannot prevent the purpose of God from coming to pass in your life if you let that pain, amen, be healed by the power of the Holy Ghost. You can move into the potential that God has for you. This woman couldn't lift herself up. She couldn't pick herself up. She she had tried, I'm sure, many times, but she didn't, her willpower, Brother Brother Bo, come up here. She had tried, but she couldn't, she couldn't do it. She didn't have the power and strength. Brother Bo, this is a fine, fine young man right here. Weighs about 180 pounds, he told me. Looks like he's in good shape. Let me see them, put some guns on him. Flex that, flex that right there. That's some good cleaning guns. He's good, good core, looks like. Brother Bo, I weigh... 200 none of your business pounds. Put your arms around me. Around my waist. Wow, that's awesome. Do that again. Do that again. Do it again. Woo! Yeah, don't throw your back out. Now, you just, you just witnessed an amazing action. Excuse me. Do you realize how amazing this is? Somebody that weighs less than me was able to pick up weight that was bigger than himself. Able to pick up weight better than himself. So I know that I'm not the brightest light bulb in the pack, Brother Bo. And uh, math was not my greatest, wasn't my greatest subject in school. I, I like more like history and, and literature. But in my mind, it seems to me like 200 none of your business pounds is, is, is a bigger weight than 180 pounds. Is that right? So, Brother Bo, I want you to reach down and grab your ankles. Pick yourself up. No, I didn't say, I said, pick yourself up. 
I'm starting to get a little embarrassed. I think I chose the wrong guy. No, no, he can pick up 200 none of your business, Pam. Which 180 is that? Yet, but it ought to be no no problem. What's the moral? What's the story? Ain't nobody here can pick their own selves up. It don't matter how strong you think you are. It doesn't matter how talented you think you are. It doesn't matter the giftings that God has given you. It doesn't matter what your family tree is or your, who your family name is. When it comes to your own salvation, when it comes to your own needs in your own life, you cannot pick yourself up. Amen. God may bless you to help pick somebody else up. God may give you the ability to, to reach into somebody's life that's got a problem that may seem bigger than yours and help pick them up. But when it comes to your own need and your own salvation, you cannot pick yourself up. You have got to have the power and the help of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Brother Bo. Give me my hand, folks. Give him a good hand. And if you're here trying to pick yourself up, if I just do this one thing a little bit better, if I just pray a little bit longer, if I just fast an extra day a week, if I just give a little bit more in the offering, if I just come to church more often, then maybe I'll fix my problem. No, friend, there's nothing that you can do. Amen. I thank God for all those things. And your faithfulness does matter to God. But when it comes to the ability of picking yourself up, we've all got to come to the cross. We've all got to come to the altar. We've all got to say, it's not my brother. It's not my sister. But it's me, oh, Lord, that's standing in need of prayer. It's not my brother. It's not my sister. It's me. It's me. Driving down the interstate, saw on one of the billboards there, maybe you've seen it, it said, if you're texting on your phone while you're driving, say this out loud, I'm the problem. Today, we have to say I'm the problem. It's not my wife. Not my job, not my kids. It's me. It's me. I'm the one. I'm the one that needs deliverance. I'm the one that needs help. I'm the one. Because your willpower and my willpower will never be strong enough to save us. Nobody can spiritually or even physically lift themselves up. Because the weight of our own bodies and the weight of our iniquities are too heavy for us. Too heavy for us. David said it this way, I found myself in the middle of a deep pit. Miry clay, slippery pit. I found myself and I tried to get out. I tried my best. And I, every time I'd get almost to the top, I'd slip and fall right back in deeper than I was before. Can anybody identify with that? Can anybody identify with what David was saying? That every time I tried on my own and every time I failed, it seemed like it was worse. And he said it just kept on happening over and over. And he said, until I cried out unto the Lord. He said, I cried out to the Lord and the Lord heard my cry. 
dry. And the Lord reached down into that pit where I was at. And the mighty hand of God reached me and picked me up. And when he picked me up, he set my feet on a solid rock. And he put a song inside of my heart. And I'm singing today because God picked me up. See, a spirit of infirmity, this woman had caused her to suffer weakness for 18 years because of an evil spirit. A spirit of infirmity can manifest itself or disguise itself as a natural or a physical problem. They're only outward manifestations of an inward condition. Ladies and gentlemen, there's times that you can treat the outward to no avail. Because it's a spiritual condition that your spirit has got to be healed first. So Jesus called this woman to him. Why, why, why did he call her? Did he call her to make a spectacle out of her? Did he call her in front of everybody to embarrass her? Is that why Jesus, is that, is that the kind of God that we serve that he likes to embarrass? I don't think so. He doesn't embarrass people. He wasn't just trying to call attention to her or her problem. He wasn't just singling her out. He could have healed her where she, where she was without any distraction, without anybody noticing. He could have just healed her and she could have been healed. So why is it that he called her to him? Why is it? Why does a pastor, why does an evangelist at the end of the service a message ask you to come forward to an altar if you need healing? You need something spiritually or emotionally or physically. Is it because we're wanting to make a spectacle out of you? Is it because we're wanting to embarrass you? No. No, it's not that. I believe the reason that Jesus called this woman and the reason that he calls to you, his spirit beckons you, he calls us because he wants us to show the importance of investing in our own deliverance. Because if you invest in something, You'll protect that once you receive it. God calls us. God called her. God asked you to come to him through faith and obedience so that you can invest in your own deliverance. Your wound may not be your fault, but your healing is your responsibility. You may not be responsible for the wound, but you're responsible for your own healing. Your ability to respond correctly, whether in forgiveness and faith, will determine whether you'll be delivered or not. Like I said, we've gotten so used to living with our pain and our hurt, so used to living with our offenses and our bitterness. They say, sometimes we say we want to be loose, but what we want to do is really we want to control when and how it happens to us. Let me make something abundantly clear here this morning. I know this is a different type of message. I'm going to tell you what, God would not let me get away from this. Let me tell you something. Let me make something abundantly clear. You can have faith or you can have control, but you can't have both. You can't have both. By that I mean if you're trying to control your problem, God will be a perfect gentleman. And he will step back 
and let you try to figure it out yourself and let you try to handle it. But if you want God's help, you have to give it up. You have to relinquish it. You have to let control go and trust and have faith that God is going to do what He said He's going to do. Because, ladies and gentlemen, what we often forget in our flesh, we want revenge, we want retaliation, we want our pound of flesh. But what we forget is the Bible says that the battle does not belong to you. Vengeance is not mine. Vengeance is not yours. The battle belongs to the Lord. And when you take ownership of the battle, you are responsible for the outcome of that battle. When you yield to the Lord and say, all right, God, not my will. You know what I've been praying lately? When the disciples asked the Lord, said, teach us what we, what we need, how to pray. Teach us to pray. The Bible said the Lord began to tell them what we call the Lord's Prayer. The first few lines of that prayer says, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You always got to start out with, Elevating and exalting God if you want to get God's attention. But sometimes we pray that second line, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we refer to the, the physical earth and the physical terra firma and, and the, that's around us. Lord, we want your will to be done on earth. But I have been praying this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth. In earth. Because the Bible said these are earthen vessels that are filled with the Spirit of God. And we need to start praying, Lord, oh God, hear me. I can't control, I can't control the, the government of the United States. I can't control, amen, the, the world economy. I can't control, amen, what's going on in my city. But I know one thing I can do. I can relinquish control and I can say, Lord, I want your kingdom to come. I want your will to be done in John Clarity as you've already determined for it to be in heaven. I want to be yielded and submitted. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in this earthen vessel as it has already been determined to be done in heaven. I'm coming to a close rapidly. Dangerous to say that, brother. It's like saying sick him to a bulldog. I'll tell you something. You want to know you want to know when you stop being a victim and start being a victor? You want to know, you want to know when it happens? Let me tell you when it, Let me tell you something. The devil's not afraid of your dance. The devil's not afraid of your, uh, of, your, of your run. He's not afraid of your shout. He's not even afraid, he's not even afraid of, of your song, really. You want, you want me to tell you what the devil's really afraid of? The devil's afraid of you making up your mind. The devil is afraid of you making a decision that it doesn't matter what happens, 
It doesn't matter what anybody does. It doesn't matter what anybody says. I am a child of God. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to trust in God. I'm going to be obedient to God. Come hell or high water, come sickness or health, come poverty or wealth, it doesn't matter. The battle does not belong to John Clarity. I yield the battle to the Lord and trust that, God, you're going to work out everything for good in my life. Can somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise today? The moment, the moment your desire and determination becomes bigger than your disability is the moment you move from being a victim into becoming a victor. The moment you quit justifying what you're doing because I've got this disability and the moment your desire and your determination becomes bigger than any disability that is in your life, you become a victor and not a victim. God wants to set you free, but he won't do it against your will. That's just, it just, he won't. Jesus challenged this woman's faith and her limitations. And when she responded, it only took a simple command from the Lord for 18 years of suffering, for 18 years of pain, for her to be loosed and delivered from it. What happened in that? I'll tell you what happened. You know, I've heard people say, I just got a touch from the Holy Ghost. Don't ever play down getting a touch from the Holy Ghost because all you need is a touch sometimes. It just took a touch. It just took a touch. When he touched her, let me tell you what three things that happened. The first thing that happened, he made her straight. He straightened out her life. If your life is all crooked and it's all it's all messed up and and and, and all your all your thoughts and all your, your relationships, I'm gonna tell you. If you let Jesus, he'll straighten it all out for you. He released her to reach the full potential that he created her to be in. This world will hold you back. It will tear you down. It will steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus will give you life. He'll give it to you more abundantly. He'll give you passion. He'll give you zeal. He'll give you desire. He'll give you abilities. There's things inside of you that God put in you that you're not even aware of yet. That when you need them, they're going to be waiting on you. They're there waiting on you now. If you just let God, amen, raise you up to the full potential that he created you to be. Lastly, what he did is he restored her joy. Because the Bible said that they all rejoiced. Stand with me this morning. Hurt and, grief, hurt and grief are going to be a part of life. If you're loving and if you're living, you're going to be hurt, but you don't have to let hurt cripple you. Somebody said one time, you may carry grief in your heart, but you choose to carry a grievance on your shoulder. We're going to have griefs, but we don't have to have grievances. We can let them go. We can turn them loose. We don't have to play the blame game. 
If I've come to say anything to you today, don't make a memorial out of your past mistakes. Do you know there is something called phantom pains? Have you ever heard of this? It's called phantom pains. Phantom pains. Where people that have had members of their body removed because of disease and pain struggle with it all their life and it's hurt so bad. But even after that disease member has been removed, the phantom pains are still there because it has attached itself to their mind for so long. In the middle of the night, they'll get up and try to walk if they don't have a leg and they'll fall on their face because they think the leg's still there. The pain is still there. You know what Jesus said or what the Lord told Moses, one of the commandments? He said, you're not to have any other gods before me. He said, you're not to have any graven images. You know, a lot of times we look around and we say, you want a graven image? That's like a statue of Jesus or a statue of Mary or a statue of, a, of an animal or something that, that people, that, that they had taken a tool and engraven it in wood or stone. But do you know that you can engrave things into your mind? You can think on them and ponder on them and stew over them for so long till they engrave yourself, themselves into your mind. Everything that you try to do is tainted by something that happened in your past that has, and you're making a memorial. You're making a memorial out of that thing that had happened to you. That's why Paul said you've got to be renewed. You've got to be renewed. Your mind's got to be transformed. You've got to be renewed by the power of the Holy Ghost, Brother Dylan. We come into the house of God and we come out of the world, ladies and gentlemen. You face things this week. We've seen things on the news. We, we've had things, spirits come against us. Did we come here this morning just to have an activity to do? No, we came here because we need the Holy Ghost to wash over our minds, to renew our spirit. Robert E. Lee, after the Civil War, went to a plantation for a dinner that he had visited this plantation many times. After dinner, the lady of the house took him out to the balcony. She pointed out to the backyard where once there had been a magnificent oak tree. Many times, General Lee had sat under that tree in the heat of the summer to feel the cool breeze and the shade of that tree and but she said look hoping to get sympathy from that honored gentleman she said look look at what those Yankees did to my tree look at what their cannons did the tree was out there just a stump shard broken burnt look at what they did they ought to pay they ought to pay what should be done about this. The stately old gentleman stood there for a moment and looked out there and he said, Madam, cut it down and forget it. There's some things in your life, ladies and gentlemen, 
It may be shattered. It may be scarred. It may be the enemy might have. There may be. Sometimes you just say, okay, God, I'm just going to cut it down. I'm going to put it under the blood. I'm going to put it under the blood. I'm going to let it go because I don't want to be bound. I don't want to be, I want to be set free. I want to be loosed by the power of the Holy Ghost. As they began to sing this morning, if you're here, let me tell you what can hold you bound. There's nothing more tighter than the prison of unforgiveness. Say, I don't, I'm not going to forgive so-and-so because they don't deserve it. They might not, but you deserve it. They might not deserve it, but you deserve it. To let them go. To let it happen in your life. You can't build on past hurts or failures, but you can use them as stepping stones. You can close the door on your past. You may not be able to forget the mistakes and hurts, but you don't have to dwell on them. You don't have to let them ruin your potential, steal your joy. Paul said that we are to stand fast in the liberty work where Christ has made us free. Not be entangled again with that yoke of bondage. The lesson is clear. God has forgiven. God has loosed. God put life back into lifeless bodies. Oh, we were we were functioning. We were we had our heart was pumping, the oxygen was going in and out of our lungs, but we weren't really alive until we met Jesus. I want you to know today that God is no respecter of persons. If your desire is greater than your disability, you can be delivered today. And I invite you to make your way to this altar right now. Because Jesus is calling you. Jesus is calling you today. And he's saying you have a right to be set free. You have a right to be loosed. As they sing this morning, let the Holy Ghost do the work that it wants to do in this place today. Let the Holy Ghost. Oh, cleanse me, oh God. If you're here and you have not received the Holy Ghost,